Thank you for joining us for another episode of What Do You Think About X, a show aimed at highlighting insightful points of view and posing some deeper questions along the way. As always, if you want to continue the conversation, you can find us on Twitter at AboutXPodcast, or if you'd like to catch our other episodes or share any of this content, you can find us on most popular podcasting platforms. Today we're joined by Aminata Kamara, presenter of BBC Radio Leicester's The Vibe, podcaster and writer. Aminata is talking to us about why it's so difficult for white people to discuss race and what it means to be black. I'll read it out to you and then, and then maybe see where you want to take the conversation from there. Um, this woman says, so she's a, she's a, she's a white woman. Um, someone that I just chat to occasionally on Instagram and she said, so the question was obviously, why is it so hard to talk about race? And then she goes, I took a few minutes to think before commenting and, um, on reflection, I believe a contributing factor, certainly to why I personally always feel uncomfortable talking about race is that everything I was taught about race growing up came from white people. I was taught to treat everybody equally which there's nothing inherently wrong with, but whiteness used this narrative to effectively try and hide a whole history of black trauma. Whiteness taught me it was rude to acknowledge that someone was a different race to me and that it was rude to be curious about their culture, etc., which is a classic white cover-up tactic, right? Question mark. Don't teach black history in schools. White people in most powerful roles white people dictating the narrative, oppression, exclamation mark. What makes talking about race not more comfortable? Because I don't think discussions about trauma and oppression are ever going to feel comfortable, but perhaps have less apprehension, for me at least, is learning to leave my ego at the door, which was something you were saying when we spoke about Simon. Um, Then she goes on to say, being willing to risk making mistakes or saying the wrong thing because I'm here to learn and unlearn and to hear black experiences not look like I know everything, I definitely don't, or I'm super woke. Removing personal agenda as a white person is crucial, not only in conversations on race, but in order to elicit a big forever change. Um, And that really touched me. First of all, that she took out the time to write out such a really long message on Instagram. Um, But I think what she said about um, like how white people are taught it's rude to to acknowledge race. And a lot of the time, you know, that's where this thing of I don't see colour comes from. And that was interesting to me because I didn't, I didn't ever consider that white people are taught that. And I thought, well, that makes sense to me. That's why that's always the immediate defence. But from my perspective, it's quite disrespectful because it's almost like, well, if you don't see my colour, you don't see me, you don't see my history, you don't see my journey, you fail to acknowledge everything that I'm about. So in a white person thinking that that's the right thing to say, it's the completely wrong thing to say. So it's almost like we've missed each other off right from the get-go. And I, that was so eye-opening to me. I'd never thought about what white people are actually taught about race or not taught about race and how they try to figure out how to talk about it without talking about it. So I feel like the entire episode is now just going to be <laughs> ass- assessing that. <laughs> 
that post. Right. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, which, which actually is great. Maybe we'll keep that as the introduction, right, to the show mm. because that I feel like that's a great place to start. So there's a couple of things that I think that are worth sort of moving into, expanding upon a little bit. Uh, this is Amanata, anyway, by the way, for those that are listening. Hi! <laughs> yeah. I don't even know who you lot are. Who are you? Uh, not important. It's not important. Sai used to be in a band. That's what you used to be. <laughs> he used to be in a band, and now he's going to fix races in a 30 minute podcast. So. so yeah, I don't know, you're, you're the host of Vibe, right? BBC Radio yeah. Leicester. But I mean, we'll cover that with the... We, do, we always do an intro of music as well. We'll okay. talk about the show a bit, I think. But, so this is in response to, to the show. And there's two things that immediately struck there for me, and I'm sure there's more as well for everyone else here. But the first thing was the mistakes thing, because that also came up in our chat that we had. Because it sometimes feels like in say certain contexts right or social situations and i think again i sort of i think i did sort of mention this before a bit before that a lot of the time it is actually involving other white people right that when you make a mistake you are it's over do you know what i mean it's like oh you, you don't understand and, and and i'm going to explain to you why that mistake is really really bad and i think that couples with the fact that social media has a big audience a lot of the time. So, and it can often feel that, but equally, I don't want to, you know, I feel, well, I'm trying to make a distinction here as well, right? Between someone who's ignorantly saying something on purpose or trying to stoke something up, but somebody just doesn't know, right? Who's, things have changed, whatever reason. So, okay, the the start of that process needs to be what? Education, learning. That's the only way we're going to get to where we want to get to. And that ties into that thing you said as well, which is that we've missed each other from the get-go. And that also makes me think about when we talk about, say, racism, I think there's an entire generation of people who understand the word to mean something completely different to what we talk about today. Because, you know, recognising that is also important, because if we're using these terms at or against each other, it's like the reactions and defences to those terms, it's not part of the same conversation, right? And I think that's the heart of why we get so many responses like, I'm not racist, I've got so many black legs, right? Because they're not understanding what you say. Do you think that's sort of a fair thing to say? Absolutely. I think, you know, and we, we had a, a conversation quite early on when we first met about, you know, when people automatically think racist, they, they assume the person who is, you know, saying you know, the N-word and the most worst of the worst, but actually there there are different categories and there are different types of uh, racism, you can say, but we don't, we don't see it as that, you know, people think that, well, I'm not like them, I'm not the one that, you know, I will never say the N-word and that's why the other thing comes off of, you know, I've got black friends and, you know, I've dated black men and all this stuff comes out when actually it's, it's, and maybe the word isn't racism. I don't know. I don't know if even that hinders us from having a conversation because no one wants to come across like a racist. You you just, I mean, why would you? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's almost like, again, we even, even, it's just the terminology I think also throws, can throw people off. 
I said something similar to Pell recently. So yeah, hi, I'm Adam, by the way. I I sort of come at a lot of this stuff from a, a hiring point of view, actually. Um, I work in management in tech and it's really interesting. And actually the, the representation of people of colour in tech is bonkers in this country. If you look at the demographics and stuff, um, there's a lot of talk about women in tech, but I think people of colour in tech is another really, really important issue that never gets spoken about. But that whole point Pell and I were talking about something else recently and I said um, and it's kind of similar to this that idea that I don't want to get it wrong right so I don't I want to help I want to be supportive but I don't want to get it wrong but I think we let that go so far as to just go well I just won't do anything that's just a big barrier to even starting and I think that that kind of forgive not forgiveness but like a permission to do it badly but start doing it I think maybe quite important or trying to encourage that I think so because I also feel like to not do anything as as maybe sad as it might sound is actually a sign of privilege it's a privilege to actually make the choice to not enter into the conversation yeah. because you don't want to make a mistake but actually you know I, I, I heard this statement a while ago and I completely agree with it that that silence is violence so when people do choose to stay silent, it means that those who are experiencing different forms of <clears throat> of racism, it does mean that, you know, in the most extreme of cases, lives are at stake. Opportunities are at stake. You know, black kids are way more likely to be expelled from school. So therefore, education is at stake. Right from the get-go, your experiences are, are different, albeit not always overtly, but there's a series of experiences that, that black boys, girls, men and women go on to experience simply because people don't um, have the privilege to, to, to not say anything. And yes, if you're not saying anything, you might be taking time out to educate yourself and to learn. But what I've also found quite difficult is, and I think this should be a conversation as well, the role of bystanders. So if when you when you see something and you don't say anything, it, there's an issue there as well, because it's now I've now, you know, let's let's take the work environment, for example, if something happens in the workplace, you know, my work colleagues witness it and they don't say anything. I'm therefore now left alone. It's it's me against whoever it is that, that did the thing. Um, and, and then you, there's also a feeling of but you were there, you saw that. Why didn't you come to my aid? And then, so therefore there becomes an added friction. It's almost like, well, now it's me against the whole team. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm here by myself and I'm not thinking about the fact that, well, you didn't say anything because you don't want to get it wrong. You're trying to protect yourself. You're not trying to put yourself in the firing line. I'm not thinking about your experiences, but probably you're not thinking about my experiences. And if we all just had a conversation, you know, that we, we probably would be in a much better place. So it's it's it is a great privilege to not to not say anything. But I, I think I'm learning to try and understand that perspective as well because but but not all black people are probably gonna be willing to do that or feel that they have to do that. But I think it's important. Yeah, and I, you know, you, you touched on some really good points there. And sort of going back to what you said earlier, you know, I'm always really interested in, in the language that's used around these things. You know, you said, is racism the right word? Because that comes with so much baggage already. You know, people, like you said, people are so scared of being called a racist when actually they probably, they probably just don't understand or know. Um, 
and and that that can be really that can be really terrifying to go oh actually i don't know something and if i get it wrong i'm gonna get called racist or like in, in that scenario there you know how how does someone support you there because if they support you wrong are you gonna go oh you're supporting me wrong you're a racist when of course you're not you're gonna be like thanks for your support maybe next time this is how, how you can do it better but yeah i, I think that that changing the way we talk about things you know, you know it, it's really difficult i think for me that's that's always a really important thing of like how do we just open up it make it accessible for people like simon you and i've had discussion before you know you're an academic but you're not always communicating with academics so you have you know if you want to get your point across you have to communicate in a way that that, that kind of speaks to that person you know i work in marketing so like i'm always writing stuff for an audience you know i know the audience i'm talking to so therefore i write something for that audience um so yeah like how do, how do you think we kind of turn <laughs> like turn racism into a, a positive word you know how, how what do we do around that that's that's really challenging well i think it i think we kind of need to just I mean, I don't know if this is too much of a simplified perspective, but I just think just just build relationships with people. You know, when I go into work, I don't go into work as black Aminata. I go into work as Aminata, like I'm, I'm me. I don't think about my race every day. And recently I actually took time off work because I felt like I'm just thinking about my race every day and I don't want to. I just want to be able to just, you know, because that's I, I don't wake up every morning and just think, oh, yeah, you know, how can I be really black today? And you, you just you just don't do it. <laughs> you don't do it. Do not. <laughs> you, you, it's just it's just not a thing. So I think you know when I when I walk into work, I want to be able to to be myself. And you know I I, I feel like I get along great with my work colleagues because I do bring my whole self. I do bring my whole self to work. The issue is that you know a lot of a lot of people don't feel like they can bring their whole self to work because, you know, sometimes the way you're treated is as though you are an object and that you're an anomaly. And it's just that there's this <clears throat> kind of curiosity, for example, if I was to wear my hair a different way. I mean, even, you know, right now I'm sitting here, I've got a headscarf on. It's not for any particular reason, but the fact that my hair is just a mess and I would rather not have my messy hair on show, you know? Um, but sometimes it's this, there can be really weird conversations, but, and you know, and I guess a lot of people do ask because they're curious, they don't know, there's a level of ignorance there. I think that we as a black people or people from different ethnic minority groups have a kind of role to play to engage people in normal conversations and i guess for me that's what this is about it's about having normal conversations where i can bring myself my whole self even food you know there's certain cultural food that i eat that has a very strong smell and if i bring that into the office or into the kitchen at work don't make a scene about it, you know? Like, it just, it just is, it is what it is. But when it's almost like, oh, you've got something exotic today, it's almost like, oh, for God's sake, well, I'm just not going to bring that in because you're going to make me feel really weird about something that to me is very normal. But this is why I feel like there is, there is, there is, it's, it is a two-way street because I shouldn't, just be so defensive or offended that the fact that you've asked the question um 
I, I should be able to, to be open to talk about it. It's just the fact that because there's only usually one black person in the room, it feels like I have to carry the weight of the whole black community and represent in a certain way. So if we did have more diverse spaces, it would be normal. And therefore we all have a responsibility to play, to, to create a space that is welcoming and not weird or strange. We should do active things. For example, you know, why can't we have more cultural day where you are bringing in your, your cultural food? You are, you know, doing things and celebrating things that are, are natural to you so that it becomes more normalized and not weird. That feels like a really long answer, but I just think we just need to be a bit normal. Just be a bit normal. <laughs> I sort of feel there's some interest. I mean, there's so much as there always is. And I'm glad you mentioned the thing about being the spokesperson because obviously it that there's it's one of those things where there's a we all understand what the problem is but the, there seems to be a hot, a disconnect where it's difficult to get to what the solution is because the reality is right most people are going to be having conversations with one maybe two black people it's not like they're going to a conference with 5000 people there right so how like that's a disconnect so how do we sort of reconcile the fact that problem does that then mean that people do need to know more about i don't know like collective experiences and theoretical critiques and stuff like that so i guess that's first question how do we fill that gap there is a, a second comment i just want to make as well if we remember <laughs> like and maybe we'll come back to that too is that and this came out of the show on your your interview right uh, like mine? I don't know, whatever. On your show. Because we talked a lot, and often this conversation is about individualised behaviours, right? But I think we need to also remember that there is a re there is a power structure at play here, right? And there are people, we can say what we like here, it's not the BBC, there are people in government who are doing this on purpose, right? And we shouldn't let them get off the hook with it, right? I mean, literally, yesterday, you know, there was an MP that turned around and said he's not going to watch England anymore because it's full of Marxists. And it's like, they're doing this on purpose, and we know they are. So mm. I guess that, I, I don't know if they are the kind of questions, the first one being, how, yeah, how do we solve that disconnect between the burden but the, fact, the reality that we're not in these spaces? Uh, two, how do we reconcile that, that these are individualised responses, but also there is a power structure at play that is pushing us and forcing us into thinking in a certain way? So I think, like we're doing now, we all have a role to play. I'm always very fascinated when people want to talk about race and want to enter into diverse spaces. I find it really interesting. Like, what would make you think to intentionally, like, you know, I'm curious, what would make you intentionally want to talk about race or or want to, you know, Simon, when we first met, I, I think one of my questions were, you know, what, what was your thinking around changing um, the core structure and, and, and what was what was what you were teaching or exposing your students to what made you think to do that I, f I find it really interesting because i do think the solution is to intentionally put yourself in these spaces um and and it is i think it's an intentional thing because it's probably outside of your immediate sphere of normality for me as a black person it's it's very normal for me to be in all white spaces you know i grew up in in kent in bexley heath um i was always the only black girl um so it's it's normal for me but it's i guess it's not necessarily a normal thing for a white person to be the only white person in the room uh, but i do think that is that not not 
that you have to seek that because that feels really weird but actively engage you know just just yeah just be intentional so I guess I know you, you asked another question Simon but I, I think I'm I'm curious as to why you guys want to, to do this and, and maybe in answering that question it might help to inform other people who might have thought about this or, or not thought about it at all so so like, I know why quite strongly like, like I do it <clears throat> I grew up in East London, Dagnum, it was very diverse where I, I grew up. And that was just normal for me. That was life, right? And then I go to uni, move north, and I now live in Scotland, right? And I, like, in Glasgow, oh, people say, so that's a multicultural city. And I'm like, it's not. Like, it, it just isn't. Like, for me, because it's so different. Like, my, my perspective, my definition. And that's why I talk about people of colour in tech, because... My experience is that like, I worked at a, a huge organisation, Talis, right? And there 700 people in the office. And there was only maybe a handful of people that were not white, Scottish people. And I just thought, that's that's bonkers. Like, if you go back to East London, that just wouldn't, couldn't be the case. And so for me, I want to engage in it because I, I feel that I, I'm actually a bit of an odd person out in that I want to help people see at least what I've seen. And I'm not saying... Like I'm, I'm perfect or anything like that, but I've just that perspective and bring that to other people. So that's why it interests me. And then again, back to I don't want to do it wrong. I don't want to discourage people or get the arguments wrong. I want to kind of give the best arguments when I when I go and do it and and try and promote promote that as best I can, I suppose. Yeah, and I think you know mine's sort of similar. Like right? you know, I I'm very aware that I don't know enough. I think uh, you know you know, and I'm also like I'm quite I'm confident in in saying I don't know enough about this thing and, and I should like I'm under no illusions that I'm going to be able to solve anything but you know I think for me it's 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 nice for me to go oh I can learn a thing and actually maybe someone else will look and go oh if I just like ask some questions maybe I can learn something as well like it, you know it's important you know like I don't have a lot of black friends but the black friends I do you know we do we actually speak quite openly about race um and a friend of mine melanie who's who like i go to quite a lot for stuff like this she'll say stuff and i'll be like oh yeah of course like i didn't even think about that like that's that's really horrible like, we're walking around the other day she's like i really need some slate for my garden like for my plants i was like there's like three or four bits there in that front garden just grab three or four bits of slate she goes i can't just take stuff i'm black wow i'm that? like oh, shit yeah like how privileged that just like oh it's just it's, it's so it's such a stupid thing though right because in my mind, I'm like, it's just a few bits of slate. Like, no one's going to miss that. But, you know, it's such, it's such a different, like, different perspective. Um, and and for me, you know, I'm, I'm aware that, you know, I'm nearly 40 and I'm still learning. We're uh, starting to learn these things, right? Uh, and I really wish that I'd just from a younger age learned this stuff earlier so that I just wouldn't be so ignorant now. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's it's about solving anything because i don't know if i can but hopefully it will encourage people to 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 be part of that kind of learning journey yeah um that's really interesting actually so i guess there's a short answer and a slightly longer one but fairly short as well the first one would actually be to just kind of turn around a bit like i don't i don't understand why people aren't like and i think that's part of the problem we become so entrenched in this idea that that's the them problem, because they're they're them, they're that other. That I don't think that's my, that's my fucking problem too. Like I don't suffer in the same way of it, obviously, right? But it's, it's, if it's it's definitely my responsibility, and 
the role that that should take, yeah, that's not solely up for me to decide. But yeah, I don't understand why people aren't interested. But also in a very kind of direct, practical level, when you teach people, you know, and they're younger than you, right? And they've got their whole lives ahead of them and stuff like that. You realise that it's important that they go out into the world. God, this sounds really cheesy. <laughs> Understanding that they like if you just teach them that this this is what a bunch of white people said and that's that's how the world's made that's how they're going to think and that's both actually that's how the white students are going to think too which is which is really bad so that's important and that uh, that really started to become a lot more apparent i guess from teaching yeah that, that there were all these people that had all these lived experience so they knew stuff but they were in a system where the way they wanted to articulate structural racism, like in essays or things like that, right, would lose their marks. So we, you know, learning how to say, well, okay, look, here's some theory that does exist that you can then say, all of this stuff is based off of this, all this language, you know, it's all based of, of, off of a really problematic view of the world. You put that in, it kind of protects you from losing marks and things like that. That was always a, re- a real sort of direct practical experience. And then that led me to thinking, well, like this whole thing needs to be taken apart. <laughs> like, you know, this is just a quick solution. Here's how you don't lose marks. But the whole, you know, this is really unjust, I guess. I guess that is the longer answer. It was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. No, but it, it, it makes sense, you know, it's... The world, the, I mean, the world is very unjust, and but I guess it's a case of seeing how we all fit into that puzzle and how, in our own individual ways, we we play a part. And you know, someone said to me, in, I, had, I can't remember the lady's name now, but I interviewed her on a show a little while ago, and she was like, um, she said that when we have these conversations around race, so particularly when everything happened with George Floyd last year there probably would be a lot of people in positions of power, um, or anybody for that matter, there would be people in different different positions who would probably think about, just like potentially how you guys have, would think about things differently than they had before, and potentially their behaviour would change. But, so for example, there might be a police officer who might see a black person and might think about stopping them, but actually they might, change their mind and decide not to. But there's no way of recording that. There's no way of recording the change yeah. that has happened over the year or the, the slight d- decision, you know, change in, in thinking or decision-making that might be a bit different. And, and, and that to me made me realize that, wow, like sometimes stuff does happen, but because there's, how will you measure that? There's no way you can measure how someone is gonna think differently that, you know how their perceptions would have changed because they've now been now been informed and it, it just goes to show that we all have a role to play we all have a voice and sometimes that voice isn't very loud it's it's a silent voice but it's how you might make a change to okay so for example i'll give you another example there's this thing where there's this like unwritten thing where a lot of black men feel uncomfortable uh, being alone with a white woman because as soon as a white woman screams that something has happened, 
um, it, it, automatically that black man is, is certainly to blame. So let's say, for example, this the whole thing has happened, people have become more aware to racism and covert racism. There might be a white woman who's sitting on the train who might look a bit more welcoming because she's thinking about how she sits within this whole whole dynamic. And, and that to me is also really interesting that sometimes it's not, we might, yeah, there's not, not a lot might be happening overtly but stuff is happening on the inside. And, and that to me, I'm, I'm so open in having conversations with people who are actually willing to self-reflect, check themselves, ask themselves some questions and be curious. You know, what you were saying just there, Simon, about, um, you know, who's teaching, who was, who's been teaching this history? And maybe one of the questions we should ask is, who teaches history? Who is the one that is teaching us? Or who has taught us what we know? And how does that shape what we believe to be true? And that is also really interesting. I'm not going to say anything else here, Forbes. <laughs> I feel like that was a really excellent point. That, yeah, there's no way of recording. You know, when someone doesn't get doesn't get stopped and searched because a mind has been changed. But we can record when it does happen, right? Because we can see the statistics, that's when it happens. Yeah, it would only come out in very slow, lag, like aggregate lag statistics over years. Mm. But yeah, and it's a slow process, I guess, isn't it? You, we're only going to see that in hindsight. We're only going to see numbers of stop and search go down or, or, or things like that, I, I guess. Do you feel like, I mean, this, this, I don't think this question that we asked, like, do you feel that since the, the murder of George Floyd and obviously the, the BLM movement has really come to the front, like, do you feel that there is a positive change now or, or, or like, or we're moving towards that? Is that, you know, uh, as a white person for me, I, I'd like, I'm like, I see a lot more of it, you know, you know, it's a lot more at the front and, and I feel like this is the kind of our era of when I'm, you know, when we're really going to see it. Um, I mean, like, you know, my lifetime, you know, I'm going to see it. But, you know, how is that as a black person? Do you feel that there is that same thing? Does it does it look performative still? Like, what's what's the kind of view from your side? Well, I think the fact that we're here talking about race, I'm not sure I would have been very comfortable to have such an open and frank conversation about race and why it's so difficult. That probably wouldn't cross my mind because... I'm, I talk about race all the time, but I only talk about it to black people. I don't have these conversations with white people. But, you know, it, it's, a, it's a shame that it had, you know, George Floyd had to happen in order for us to, to do this. Not saying that it wasn't happening, but it feels like it is happening a lot more. There are a lot of initiatives that have, that have come to the forefront. Things like Pass the Mic, where it's about uh, white people giving space to, to black people. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's great that more spaces are given and other people are recognising um, the positions that they've held. And actually, it's important to step aside and give that, you know, space to, to somebody else. So we've seen different things like that ha ha happen over the past year. It's, it's, I mean, I think the change that we want to see isn't going to happen in a year. It's not going to happen in two, three, four, five years. I think it's going to be a whole generational shift. Um, there's been a lots of, of initiatives um, happen where it comes to, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a magazine that I recently subscribed to called Coco 
Coco magazine. It's um, it's specifically uh, by black girls for black girls, but obviously any, anyone can access it if you want to. Prior to this movement, that wouldn't have, you know, I remember that the organizers, Selena bought I think her name's Selena Boyd. She tried for such a long time to to get this magazine out, or you know, to do things specifically to celebrate, you know, black girls and celebrate diversity. And she was shut down. There was no interest. But since everything that happened, her sales have shot through the roof. You know, she's she's doing fantastic work because people are recognizing the need for diversity to be on our shelves. You know, that there are people who have been campaigning to get diverse books into schools. We've seen different initiatives come up to invest in black businesses. There's Black Pound Day um, that, that has been launched, you know, to encourage people to, to invest in the black economy and invest in black businesses. So different positive things have come out because people have recognized the need, but attitudes still need to change. I think there's still a lot of people questioning why. I mean, you know, we just only had, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the anniversary of, of George Floyd's murder come out. And there was still a lot of people saying, well, why? Why are we celebrating this guy who was a criminal, who, who was a thief, he was a this, he was a that. You know, I don't see us celebrating a year since Lee Rigby was killed. And, you know, there's, there's, and it's and even the family of Lee Rigby have said, listen, please don't drag, you know, my son's honor in, in, an, in an all of this that's that's completely not fair and right at all um so there's a lot of people you only have to go in on on twitter and read some some of the comments a lot of people's attitudes haven't changed i think we've made a lot of growth has happened because white people are engaging in conversations and white people are asking themselves what it means to be white and i'm not sure that conversation has has I'm not sure a lot of white people have thought about, well, what does it mean to be white? I know what it means to be black, but that's really interesting that, that these conversations are, are rising now. And that to me is, is great progress. Nowhere near where we need to be. Black people are still being killed out on our streets. You know, stop and searches are still, you know, disproportionately affecting black people, but, conversations are happening and to me I'm, I'm all about the conversation because it means that we will then change our behaviors because we we understand a little bit more about the other side yeah and I think also on top of that as well there's you know there's been a, an interest in literature written from a black perspective a lot you know we've had well not not talking about race we've had Ethel Hirsch, Akala like books that have really been in the mainstream eye I guess and I think that's really important because it's personalised stories ha do really have their place amongst all of this because it turns a description of a group, which is very abstract, right? These people did this, they knocked over a statue. It turns it into a uh, a person that's telling you the, th the things that they've suffered, the way that they feel. It personalised it. It makes it a human being. It's not just a you know, something in a, a newspaper or history book. And I think I think that has a potential to evoke empathy, right? And that's something that we can seize upon. Because if there's, yeah, there's going to be an understanding disconnect, right, about what it feels like, even really kind of like sort of seemingly basic thing of walking into a room and realising that you don't look like everybody else. I think actually for a lot of white people just, just experience that and nothing else. They find it really weird 
They're really eye-opening because they're not used to thinking about it. They're not used to thinking about, oh, I'm white in a room. So, right. yeah. So I, I, maybe that, maybe that's, so maybe that's what, I don't know. Is that what we should be doing then? There's like allies and things like that, that we should be making sure that those stories that are being heard through the crap that we're getting from the Daily Fail and, you know, that kind of stuff and and making sure that conversations are happening and if we see racism, you know, and we've talked a lot you know, about what it's like to be black, right? And so that's important because we don't want to say that the experience is the same for everybody. You know, we and you talked a, bit, a little bit about terminology earlier and things like that, like, you know, but we hopefully... Trying to use what you think is the right word, like people of colour or, or BAME or whatever. I know there's lots of different views on it. But I guess it's the intention that's important. That we, But, but it does have that habit of eradicating a specific experience. I don't know. I, I, don't, know. I don't know the answer to that. Because <laughs> I, 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 I don't know because even... And I mean, this is this is a whole another conversation. Even within the black community, there are different there are different perspectives. And you know, there are some people who appreciate being called BAME, other people who don't. Um, me personally, I'm black. I'm not black, Asian, minority, or ethnic. I'm just black. <laughs> and there, you know, there are people who prefer people of color. Um, I don't. I'm black, you know, but I understand that I understand the grouping of that because there is a similarity when it comes to experiences of ethnic minorities that is very different if you're white. But then also within that, there's this thing of othering, you know, it's almost like, well, we've got the normal people who are white and then we've got everybody else. And and that I, sh- I thought I struggle with. So I, I really don't know what the answer is. And I don't think we'll probably ever find one. I think it's about, like I was saying earlier, it is about just having normal conversations, engaging with people on a very human level. And that's why I feel like this thing of, I don't see colour. I try to understand what's at the bottom of that. I feel like, what is at the bottom of that? Correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel like it's it's someone saying... I don't see you through the lens of your race or, or or that. I see you as someone who bleeds the same. We cry the same. We feel the same. And honestly, I want to get to that point as well, where we can just relate to each other on that really human, natural, everyday level. But again, as I said earlier, it, it, you, I don't want to be... I don't want that to be the headline because you're just dismissing my experiences we're not the same we're most definitely not the same my experiences are very experienced very very different experiences i i my the rate at which i probably get different opportunities i can't always say that it's i didn't get that because i'm black i re- i don't know <laughs> i don't know that i didn't get that opportunity or this thing because i'm black but statistically do, statistics do show that we are disproportionately uh, affected by a number of different things. I mean, another example, black women are four to five times more likely to to, to die in childbirth or, you know, the following weeks after. Well, we need to ask the questions as to, well, what is that about? Why is that the case? Mm. So there, there is a difference and we shouldn't pretend like there isn't. 
there's just so many so many layers to it i just feel like we do have a responsibility to have conversations like this i'm probably gonna get it wrong you know i i'm i'm pro probably might say something because sometimes i don't even know do it do i say white do i say caucasian do i not address the race thing at all i don't know and i'm pretty sure maybe you guys you know all three of you might even have a different answer and do you know the, the madness about that is i can't i don't know any white person that care like i don't know anyone that i think would care because it's just that such a privileged position that yeah, I think that's that's like I you said earlier. Like, do white people think about what it means to be white? Because you always think about what it means to be black. Like, I I don't. I never. And I, I, you know, it's not the sort of thing you you talk to. Go, what is it to be white? Like, am I white? Am I Caucasian? Like, I've never thought. Like, yeah. am I white or Caucasian? I've never thought about it because it's never referred to, like to me in like a I guess in like a negative term. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. and I think where whereas like you know you'll see like. Oh, gangs of black youths you know the black there is really like that's really descriptive word because it comes with all this this weight mm. behind it when it yeah. you know you're not going to see gangs of white youths in the same newspaper you know they're just, just going to be gangs of youths then suddenly um so yeah that's but i actually think I, I i do even think that white people know understand what it means to be to be black so even if you if, even in that article you say gang of black youths you know what that means or you yeah. have a perception of what that means. And I, I, I really do feel like that is a starting point. I want white people to ask, well, what does it mean to be white? And I do feel like it's probably going to be very uncomfortable to answer that question because yeah. it might settle. It might help you understand why a lot of black people feel the way that they feel. And I think white person being it, this is what I feel, you know, white privilege is, is a lot of white people find that very uncomfortable to, to grapple with, they dismiss it. Well, I'm not white privileged, I come from working class background. Yeah. But actually, when, when you ask yourself, well, what does it mean to be white? Trying to answer that, I feel like will help a lot of white people get what we're talking about. Yeah, that's, that's, that's nailed it, I think. You, you know, trying to communicate to people when they don't quite know like the side you're communicating from. And it's, you know, it's not about being aggressive and having an argument. You know, it's it's not an, it's not an offensive thing to say to someone. What it, what does it mean to be white to you? You know, because they're probably not going to say like, "Oh, it means to be the best person in the world." Because that's what I've been talking. Like, they're not going to they're not going to say that. <laughs> you know, hopefully they're going to question it. You know, um, I I don't know what being white is. So like for me, it's being so white that I can't go out in the sun for more than thirty seconds. That's about as far as I thought about it. I think in, in like this this week, I think that's about it. But like. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like, what else? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, and I just want it's just a, just a short point because we should wrap up. But um, there's another thing that you come about. I'm glad that you mentioned the class point because I think that's why a lot of white people want to bring it all back to class all the time because you know sometimes they feel like oh my own bad experiences are not being recognised and there's that kind of like concern over it right that they have they always bring it back to class. But I think also the second thing is that you point something out which reminded me of the interview. I think it was Jenny, wasn't it? I think when she Jennifer, Jennifer, that was it. And you know, it's a great irony with all this stuff we talked about at the beginning about you know white people feeling anxious about speaking about these things in certain spaces because they feel vulnerable. It's not perhaps something they're used to doing, particularly men feeling vulnerable when they're speaking in, in a room or situational space, and having to think therefore constantly about what what people are thinking about what you said in the room. And she, you know, the way that she was just 
that's basically my life. Like, that's every day. That, mm. And that level, for me, that level of anxiety, right? Like, I felt a little bit anxious coming on the show. It's like, okay, you know. But in a, in a good way, because it was informative. Because I was like, well, imagine feeling just that little low level in pretty much almost, particularly when one of those is a workspace where there's all sorts of other hierarchies and power structures going on, right? In pretty much almost every space you go into, that must be, like, terrible. <laughs> like, that's constant. And knowing that you also have to get it right, I, I, I cannot afford to have an off day because if I have an off day, it's just like, it, it, it's it's I now become the stereotype and the statistic that you see. And it's, it's, I mean, I've had it, I've had it in instances where I've been in meetings and I haven't been the bubbly, upbeat black girl that you always see. And all of a sudden I'm pulled to one side and it's like, I mean, what's going on today? What's wrong? You know, I brought you into this because I was expecting you to be, and I'm just like, just look up. I'm just not up for, in my head. I just thought he's taking the piss. Like, <laughs> sorry, 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 Amanata. Can, can you be a bit more black in this meeting, please? <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally, wow. and when and and when you are and when you are the only black person in it, it happens in different, you know, in different ways. You you do feel this sense of well, I have to show up because if I don't, you will perceive me like I don't want to be perceived. So I have to perform all the time and it's it, it is frustrating and honestly anytime i do have an, have an off day something always something always comes about and it, but it's it's interesting because it is that perception of black people are, are this da, 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 and therefore when when we're not that it's it's a problem yeah there's a great example of that i encourage anyone to listen to this to to maybe find on youtube a perfect example of what you just said i don't know if anyone's seen the interview that Piers Morgan had about six or seven months ago with Dizzy Rascal. And Piers Morgan's winding him up on purpose. I think his reaction was something like, now, now you're making me the angry black man. And yeah. that would never happen to me, right? If I got right up in an interview, he's not the angry white man. And I think that's really, um, yeah, important. But then what's also interesting, similar to that, there's, a, there's a, her name's Dr. Shola. I can't remember her surname. It's escaped my mind. But she always used to have interviews with Piers Morgan. And, and I would even watch that and just think, please, don't, don't, don't eat into the bait. Like, he's literally feeding it to you. And, and obviously, she's, she, you know, they bring her on because she, she does the job. She, she speaks well. She speaks with passion. She can articulate herself perfectly. She can explain it. And I'm there like, yeah, come on. Like, this is exactly how we feel. But then there comes a point and I'm just like, yeah, now, now you are the angry black woman. You, you are that. And now we're not listening to what you're saying. Now, um, you know, uh, I know there are a lot of people watching this thinking, oh, she's just very aggressive. You know, how do you expect? And then we've just lost the point. We've completely lost what you were saying. And it's annoying. It, it's it's and by no fault of her own. She's simply communicating. But now you've fallen into... It, it, it always happens. Always happens. I'd actually not thought of that, but that is awful, isn't it? All right. And that, that is like, that's actual racism, isn't it? Like, that's when, when, yeah. when, you know, we talked about people that, that maybe aren't racist, they don't really understand. That is actual racism. You go, oh, look, they've, they've done it now. Look, they've acted all, all loud and angry. <laughs> well, it's just what, it's just what, it's just what happens, isn't it? But that's when it comes in. Like, that's, that's the kind of really insidious side of, <laughs> insidious side of racism. Like, there's a nice side, but like, that's the, the side of it that you, it, it comes across as more acceptable because it's kind of someone can see this has happened. 
Um, but you know, it's bullshit. And it's, so. it's almost like, well, how how can you how do you even prove that? So when you do have an interaction between the police and a young black boy, he's probably been stopped for the fifth time this week by you know police officers who, according to them, they're just doing their job. When you ask them, well, what are you stopping me for? They don't want to answer your question. They're they're just you know exercising exercising their authority. You're gonna get annoyed. So maybe at the beginning you might have been a bit compliant, and now it's like, well, actually you're taking the piss. Like you're you're you like why did you stop me? What have I done wrong? Yes, you might say, well, actually we're just doing routine checks, but no, actually, like you keep doing this to me, and now I'm angry, and now I'm frustrated, now we're tussling, and all of a sudden I'm on the floor in front of my face. You've embarrassed me in front of my whole community and now I've just become another another sad statistic and when I complain and and when I do this and when I do that nothing comes of it because actually you didn't stop me for any reason at all and now I'm angry with you now I'm angry with the police and you're going to stop another black boy who's got the weight of that frustration because his friend was stopped his dad's been stopped his granddad's been stopped this whole thing and this is the weight that so many black men and women are carrying and it's 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 just frustrating. But then when you ask someone, well, are you racist? They'll say no, because I've dated black men. <laughs> I'm not racist. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. 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 I think that sums it up, basically, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So and for those who, who are interested in this and hearing more about what Aminata does and talks about, we'll put links into your radio show uh, when we post this up. Ad always asks uh, a question, which has become his signature question at the end, so I'm going to leave it to him. No, I just, yeah, just always like to ask, is there anything you want to plug or promote um, to sort of the people listening or want to point folks at? Just listen to the show um, and, and get involved. You know, I'm so open for people to, to get in touch with me. I want to have more conversations like this. I, you know, I want to enter into brave conversations with with white people i'm so up for it and it's not about an argument or putting you out of your comfort zone it's actually like well how do we have a conversation and and change our sphere of influence so yeah getting you know hit me up on socials email aminata online everywhere instagram twitter i'm all over the place we'll put those in the uh, links thanks very much aminata it's a pleasure thanks for having me yeah thank you very much 